0: Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear Pastor Vanessa Schlugel as she brings a message of Sunday service. And so we're on part three of our Authority as a Believer series, and I thought that I would title this message, The Seed of the Woman Has Crushed His Head. Yeah, that's right. I thought that was good. It's not my word, it's God's. <laughs> and, uh, and Jesus prophesied that he will crush. Jesus, God said he will. He already has. And so it's already been done. And so we're going to have a look at that. And so we opened up. And so I want to build on what we talked about last week, which was um, who has authority in the earth? I'm going to have a look and and expound on some of the points that I made because no doubt if you have heard this for the first time, a lot of questions would be stirring within you, which it it had with us when we first heard a lot of this teaching. And questions are good because God has the answer in His Word, And, and God can validate everything that He says in His Word. And as our eyes are opened, Uh, we can start to see uh, this amazing, incredible love story and plan that God has for you for his creation. And so we saw in brief, really, that God gave Adam authority, Satan usurped the authority. Jesus Christ comes as the son of man to take back the authority. And the end of the story is God gives us the authority to rule and reign. And then he's going to come back. He's going to take over (laughs) as the king of glory uh, in the eternities to come. And so it's the most amazing story. So um, I began the series by looking at the very beginning, which was God is the supreme. And he is the ultimate and final authority. And so that's our basis, because when I'm speaking like this, it, may, it can tend to sound, well, who does she think she is? I'm actually basing myself on who God is. And not only is God the supreme and final authority, but he has made his word supreme and final authority. And so we're going to have one whole session talking about the Word and the power of this Word that has been given to us. And we'll take a whole lesson, a whole session on that and just see how powerful this is when your, the Word of God comes into your mouth and what God can do through you. And so um, when I say that God is supreme authority, I want, I want to be able to qualify that. Um, when I say God is supreme and final authority, we need to qualify. What does that mean then? What does that mean? Um, because people say, and and, and questions come in, and and over the years we've heard, and people have said, well, yes, God is supreme authority, and he's almighty, he's supreme, and, and because he is, he's controlling everything. And if you've been in our church for any length of time, you'll know that we don't believe that. We don't believe that that's Bible, that yes, God is supreme and final authority, but he is not controlling everything in the earth right now. Now, if that thinking, which is religious thinking, If they're thinking that God's controlling everything, oh, yes, God is controlling the earth, he's controlling what's happening in the earth, then they are actually inferring that the wars and the deaths and the destruction is all God's doing. And that's actually an insult on God's character for who he is because every good gift, every perfect gift, comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. And James, in the book of James, says, do not err, my beloved brethren, And start accusing God of doing things that he hasn't done. And so he is supreme in authority, but he is not in control of the earth right now. And that's what we looked at. And I want us to understand that and just have that as the premise, because otherwise you're looking around and thinking, well, why isn't God doing something? And uh, if if God was right now in control of the earth, um, guess what would happen? Everyone would be born again. Everybody would be in church. And... uh, and Satan would be crushed, and the governments would be crushed that aren't obeying him, and we'd all go to heaven if God was in control, if God's will was happening in the earth. And so we, we, we look at these kinds of things, and we need to question religious thinking, because people just adopt these sayings, well, God is in control. Well, no, God has placed man in control. And so I want to have a look and re-look at this. We found out last week, and we asked that question, who has authority in the earth? And we said that God in his supreme and and final authority, that he delegated the earth to man. And we looked at that scripture in Psalms 8, Genesis 1, verse 26 and 28, where God said, let us create man in our image and our likeness. Let them have dominion over all the earth. Let them. And so God gave man the authority. And so then the question needs to be asked, well, how long does that authority that God gave man, how long does that extend for? Is there parameters or is that until eternity? And so we find out and we looked at this, and I want to look at it again because I missed a major scripture out when I looked at it. And I got home and thought, oh my goodness, left it out. Um, And so we talked about this earth lease, that God has leased the earth out to people, to man, for a given period of time. And again, people will say, well, where do you get that from? Well, let's have a look, and let's have a look and see, because when God, during during that period of this earth lease, man is in control of the earth, and man makes all the decisions on what is going to happen or what is not going to happen on the earth. It's not God. It's the man that he's delegated that authority. And we talked about our lease. So let's have a look. I want to have a look at Jesus taught the parable profiling the earth lease. Now, he talked about it in Mark 12, and then he repeated it before he went to the cross. He was expounding and explaining things to the disciples. And he talked about it again in, in Mark chapter 13, where he talked about you know, taking authority and occupying. And so let's read this again. And I'm trying not to preach last week's message, but I believe that we actually need to understand this um, and, and, and break it down so we can be totally convinced who's in charge right now. Because if we don't think we are and man doesn't do his job, then we've actually got demon spirits roaming the earth doing what they want because we are supposed to be executing on them the judgment that's already been written. And if we are not being the police force, then all of a sudden you've got robbers and thieves and all kinds of stuff, demon spirits that are controlling everything. It's not God's fault. The church needs to rise into her place of authority. And so this message is going to just unpack that for us and see how that's going, going to, to um, work out. So let's have a look here. So a man... Um, this is Jesus talking, and he said, "A man planted a vineyard, and he built a wall around it, and he dug a pit and pressed um, a, a sorry. He dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and he built a lookout tower. And I address that, and I'm not going to get back into that. So then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers. Now notice the word tenants, and lease is mentioned here. Tenants and leases are mentioned in this parable. So when I say of tenants, when I say lease, this is not heresy. It's coming straight out of the word. And so he, Jesus speaking, said he leased the vineyard to tenants, tenant farmers. And then he moved to a country. Where was it? Heaven. And at the time of the grape harvest, God sent his servants to collect his share of the the crops. Now that's going to happen in eternity. God says the kings are going to come and they're going to bring their crops before God and worship him. And so this is something, the tithe coming before God and bringing the fruits of the earth to him in worship. Melchizedek, all of these stories all support this. And so, but the farmers, they grabbed the servants, beat him up and sent him back empty-handed. Then the owner sent another servant. They insulted him, beat him over the head. The next servant, and they killed other servants that he sent, that they were either beaten or they were killed until there was one left, only one left, his son, Jesus talking whom he loved dearly. Now the owner, remember there's an owner and there's tenants. God's the owner. These are the tenants. The, that the owner finally said, sent him saying or thinking, surely they will respect my son. But the tenant farmers said to one another, here comes the heir of the estate. Let's kill him and, the, and, and get the estate for ourselves. And so they grabbed him, murdered him, and they threw him out of the vineyard. Now, here was the the verse I left out last week, verse 9. Jesus asking, what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? And then Jesus answered his own question. Jesus answered and he said, I tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard out to others. And then Jesus goes on to identify himself. Didn't you ever read in the scriptures where it says, the stone that the builders have rejected, Jesus, has now become the cornerstone? This is the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes. This is the story of the earth that Jesus is expounding and unpacking a mystery that God is the owner, that he leased the earth out to tenants. People on the earth to bring forth the fruit, and then God would visit them and he would expect to receive the fruit of the earth in worship. And all through the ages, this is what happened. And then we find, sa- finally see that s- Satan comes. Satan knew Jesus was the Son of God, and he thought, I'm going to kill God, and then it's going to be mine. The earth's going to be mine. But he didn't realize that God was going to die and rise again because he had no sin in him. And then God says, I tell you what God's going to, he's going to lease it out to others. Now that actually opens things all up. And we could preach on this even right now. Because Jesus Christ died, he rose from the dead, the earth actually now belongs to him. All authority in heaven and on earth is now mine. The the earth is leased out to Jesus Christ for 2,000 years as the head of the church, as the body of Christ, and he has now given that authority to you and I until the end of this age of 6,000 years. It's absolutely amazing. And we're supposed to be doing our job not like the um, the previous tenants, we should say. And so look, just notice a few things here. The vineyard's the earth. But notice here that the owner of the vineyard did not come to the earth. People are thinking, well, God's in control. God's doing things. No, he didn't. He let those tenants do what they wanted to. And he did not come into the earth. And he sent servants to come and to speak to them. And then finally, in the end of days of this lease, God said, I will come. And so this, again, read it. I'm encouraging you reread and reread this amazing story. And and so that we have understanding on what that is. And so notice that that God didn't come in the earth. And so please, please, people online, do not blame God for what's going on in the earth. He's not the tenant. He's the owner. And so now all authority belongs to Jesus. Well, somebody then asks a question. Well, God leased the authority of the earth to man, I said, for 6,000 years? And uh, in our small groups, we had questions coming in, and I'm so glad that I've got questions coming in because that means you're hungry. There's the milk of the word, the meat of the word, and then strong meat. And Jesus And, and Paul says, stop drinking just milk. You're going to still be babies. You need meat and you need strong meat. To grow up in all things into Christ. And so let's have a look at this because there's two points that I want to cover here so that we understand what is that lease and why did we say 6,000 years? It's absolutely amazing because the whole Bible, there's types and there's shadows and there's layers of truth, um, you know, the specific scriptures, but it all can apply to a lot of things, uh, you know, throughout the story of creation. And so here we go. I said that the earth was God leased out to these tenants, man for a 6,000-year period. So 6,000 years corresponds to the days of creation. God created or recreated the earth in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And then 2 Peter 3.8 says that a day... A day is as a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is as a day. So we can we can bring that understanding into think. Okay, that God created it in literally six days. But if a day is as a thousand years, and, a, and and a thousand years as a day, we can say, okay, God created the earth in six days. He gave earth man this lease for six thousand years. Interesting. On the sixth day of creation, God made man. God made everything else. And then on the last day, on the sixth day, uh, when he was creating things, he created man and said, I'm giving you authority over all of this that I've created. And then on the seventh day, God rested. Well, we have 6,000-year period. And then on the seventh day, there is going to be the millennial reign of Jesus Christ where the earth will rest under his leadership, under his authority. Not only that, there's another scripture. Does, does Does that help to answer some questions? I mean, it's not, people think, oh, well, yeah, well, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a word be established. So I'll give you another witness here, which is very interesting. In the time of Noah, God declared that man's years would be 120. Now, people have thought, and, and I have thought at that at, at time, Um, that that 120 years was, oh, that's how long we're allowed to live, not just 70 years and 80 years. I'm going to go for 120, you know, and and we can just make a statement like that. But if you have a look in the context of of what God was talking about, he was speaking to Noah that there had been all kinds of sexual perversion that was going on in the earth at that time, which we covered last week. And God's spirit was grieved with that. And he said, what did he say? He said, um, so God said, my spirit will not always contend with man forever. For he is mortal and his days shall be 120. And we found out that Noah built the ark. And then after the ark and after the flood and Noah came out, he lived for, he lived for another 350 years. So we can't take that 120 and apply it to a human lifespan because they were living for long periods of time, 900 years, 800 years, etc. Because of the life that was already in the planet at the time, it took time for death that came into the earth to actually take a hold of humanity. Uh, And then you see the lifespan um, came down and down and down. And so let's have a look at that 120 years. 120 years, and this is Bible school stuff, aligns with 6,000-year lease that God gave. 120 years times 50 jubilee years equals 6,000. So, Vanessa, where do you get that? All right, well, in the law of Moses, that God set up a time when they could buy and sell and that they they could do business. And every 50th year, God said there would be a year of jubilee where everything would go back to its rightful owner. Everything. And then they'd start again and go all the way up to 49 years. The 50th year, everything would be restored. So if God is saying, I'm giving man 120 years, I'm giving him 100, 120 times 50 jubilees, at the end of that time, God says, I'm coming back as the rightful owner and the earth's going to rest. Now, if you have a look at the mass with that, it's pretty amazing. To to see, does that that help somebody or is is that getting too complicated? Probably I need Stefan to to teach that. So 120 years, God said, I'm giving you, times 50 jubilees equals what? Do your maths, 6,000 years. And then God said, I'm no longer going to strive with human flesh. I'm going to take over. And everything will be restored back to to me, the rightful owner. So let's pick up on the, um, and let's continue on, who has the authority in the earth? We said that Adam did, and Adam was given so much authority that he could actually turn around and give that authority to Satan. If the planet was going to be like a paradise, that was going to be Adam's choice. If it was going to be decimated and destroyed and unkept, that would be Adam's choice. He He was the tenant farmer in the earth. Now we find out here that Satan committed high treason against God. Satan came into the earth like we heard, we saw last week, and challenged the word of God. And Adam bowed to Satan. And in doing that, he handed over the authority of the earth to Satan. And Satan became the God of this world. Now, it's all through New Testament. And you've heard me say when I've been teaching on authority of the believer, or otherwise on prayers, on binding and loosening, or or whatever, that um, there's very little written in the Old Testament about the devil, because in the Old Testament, they did not have authority over him. But you'll find most of the teaching on the devil And our authority over him is in the New Testament because we now have authority over him in the name and by the blood and by our consecration to Jesus Christ. And so all of that teaching you will find in the majority of it is in the letters to the churches because now we have authority over him. And so Satan gained the authority of the earth. Now, proof of that, Vanessa, where is that? That's a very huge statement that you're saying, that Satan is now was now in control of the earth. Well, let's have a look at the temptation in the, in the book of Luke. Jesus, uh, he, before he started his, his three-year ministry, he was um, baptized by um, John, and, and, and then the Bible says that, the, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. All right. So he was going to. He and so I'll read it here. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? Where for forty days he would be tested or tempted by the devil. Now he needed to be, because you see, the first Adam was tested by the devil. And Corinthians tells us that Jesus Christ is the last Adam. And so for 40 days and for 40 nights, as the Son of Man, he was tested of the devil, and he came out of that place without sin. Now, one of those temptations was, look at this in verse 5. Then the devil, taking Jesus up onto a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, to Jesus, Jesus. All this authority. Everyone say all. I give you. He's talking to God. Satan is talking to God right here. <laughs> and he's saying to God, the Son of God, the Word of God, the, the Word made flesh. All this authority I will give you and their glory. Remember we saw in Psalm 8 that God says that he crowned us with glory and honor. Put all things under our feet. He says, I'm going to give you all the authority and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you, Jesus, will bow down and worship before me, all will be yours. That's a huge statement here. This is Jesus talking. Satan's saying, all authority, all authority. I will give you all the kingdoms. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, All the authority and their glory I will give to you because they have been delivered to me, and I give to whomever I wish. You bow down and worship, and all will be yours. Satan knew that the seed of the woman, and we'll look at that in a minute, the seed of the woman was going to come and crush his head. He was waiting for that seed, and the seed turned up. And he knew Jesus had come back for the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He knew he'd come back for the authority. He knew he'd come back for creation. And so he thought he would circumvent that and offer that. Here we are. Here it is. I know you, this is what you've come for. You're the son of God. And so this was a, a bona fide, this was a real temptation that Jesus, he's God. Can you imagine the, the actual strength it took for God to not take open combat with Satan right now? I created angel. I created you. But he restrained himself. And his answer to him in verse 8 was, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Every temptation that's recorded in this chapter, Jesus used the word. Satan came against him and Jesus said, "It It is written. It is written. It is written. In fact, it was twice he said that. And Jesus came even to him with the word of God and quoted the word back to him. So Satan knows more of the word than half the church. And so we need to know what's written. Otherwise, we can't speak back out and declare it is written. This word is exalted above all things in heaven and earth. And so he said to Satan, get behind me. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And so right now, Before Jesus Christ, in this period of time, when Adam turned and gave the glory and the authority of the earth to Satan, he became the God of this world, the whole earth lying under the sway of the wicked one. New Testament scripture. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is a principality. He is a ruling spirit. That was he was created so. And he had a throne, and he had a kingdom, and he wanted God's kingdom. And there was the five I wills, I will exalt my throne. I will go through the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And God says, you're cast out into the pit. And so Jesus came for the sole purpose to take that authority back. And so what was God going to do? Satan is now the, 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 now the ruling spirit in the earth. How was God, who was the owner, who tenanted let, let the earth out to tenants, who turned around and given it to his enemy, how was God going to come into the earth and save his beautiful creation? He said the first thing he did when, when, when Adam uh, gave that authority over, he, the first thing God did was put his word into the earth. The word is alive and it is powerful and it will produce exactly what it says. And so God spoke and he said, Satan, he said, I'm going to send the seed of the woman and the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. You will bruise his heel, which meant Jesus was going to be crucified, but he's going to rise and he's going to crush your head. (laughs) And so as we said, this is the incredible mystery of God. And so for this purpose... The Son of God came to undo and to destroy the works of the wicked one. And we're going to have a look at that towards the end and even next week when we're talking about the authority of the believer and who we are in Christ and some of this amazing, um, amazing inheritance that we have now got because of who Jesus Christ is as the the, uh, last Adam. So the first Adam sinned and the dominion of the earth was given to Satan. Jesus Christ came as the seed of the woman. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, it says that Jesus Christ, the last Adam, came as a life-giving spirit to redeem the earth. Praise the Lord. A man lost the authority. It had to be a man that would come and get the authority back. A man had sinned, therefore the the soul that sins shall surely die. God didn't want his creation to die. And so God says, I'm going to become a man and I'm going to be a perfect man and I'm going to die on behalf of them so that they could be free and I will rise from the dead because there's no sin in me and then my creation and my children can come and be part of me as joint heirs of Jesus Christ seated with me in heavenly places to rule and reign in this life by one Christ Jesus. It's the most amazing love story. God was in Christ, reconciling the world back to himself, not counting our sins against us. Why isn't he counting our sins against us? Because he laid the sins of the whole world upon him. God did that for us. The most amazing story. And so what was God's answer? God's answer was going to be, how do I get into the earth? He was going to make blood covenants. And this is, and so we're going to spend about 10 minutes having a look at this, and there's a whole lot of scripture. And Stephen teaches this in our foundation course, the blood covenant and the power of that and what we understand. You see, we're not in a generation that understands covenants. We have contracts, but a contract is not the same as a covenant. You see, marriage was a covenant. Uh, and marriages were two where two people would become one, and they would take on one name and one blood, and blood would be, blood would be spilt at that time of the consummation of that covenant. And God would no longer see two, he would see one. Just p- most powerful. So let's have a look here. So the blood covenant God would m- made with men in the earth, it gave God legal entry, and I've got this on your outline, legal entry into the affairs of man on the earth. Because when the two become one, well then that means that God can come into the earth because the earth that he gave to man, if, God, if, if somebody comes into covenant with God, then that, be- that, that tenancy becomes God's as well. It's legal, so let me quickly just stay on track here. So the blood covenant is the strongest binding agreement known to man. It is an agreement between two people in which everything they own is equally shared together. So all of the wealth, all of the debt, all of the assets, all of the expenditure, they are equally owned. Now with the blood covenant, we have inherited... All that God is, all that he has, all that he owns, even to the point of all of his names become ours. You know, when you get married, you swap the names and you become one name. Just absolutely amazing. And so everything that God owned and everything that man owned or owed became one. And that was absolutely amazing. It gave God permission to be able to set set out to go now and redeem his creation. And Satan couldn't accuse God of breaking his own rules and breaking the tenancy because now God had blood. And blood was spilt, blood was cut to say the two of us have become one. And so what was this? Let's have a look at this in in, um, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, God was looking for a man on the earth that was going to be prepared to come into a covenant with him. God made covenants through the earth. And so he found Abraham, Abram, and uh, he, asked, he, he visited him in the earth. And this is what he said. And you listen to the words of this covenant. He began, as he said, And now God said to Abram, Get out of your country, out of your family, out of your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and and, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now those are words of the covenant. So when a covenant is is being created and being cut, um, names are exchanged, weapons are exchanged, rings are exchanged. Blood is cut, and the two then become one. And so God was making covenant. He was saying, Abram, get out from where you are. Get out from your country, from your father's house, to a land that I'm going to show you. And I'm going to make you a great nation. And in you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Now, Abraham would have said, no, God, I don't want to. I've got my own gods. I'm serving serving these gods here. But no, he, he chose to get out of his country. He did not know where he was going, but he just followed this God. And you see God visited him in chapter 15. And made and, and refreshed the covenant with him and reminded him. And, and, and in that in, in verse 15, in chapter 15, Abraham said, Well, God, what are you going to give me? He said, Seen, I have not a seed, he said, and the, and the, the man in my, my house is my servant. He said, I've got no children. And God says, Through you, there's going to be a son that's going to come, a son of promise. And so God waited until it was impossible for them to have a son. And then they, then supernaturally, Isaac was born. And then after Isaac was born, he was 13, God visits him again and he says, I now, I now need to test this covenant and I want you to come and to take your son, your only son, your son of promise, and I want you to come to the mountain of Moriah and I want you to offer him up before me as a sacrifice. And uh, the, 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 the covenant was tested at that point. And so Abraham took his two servants, took his donkey, took the wood, took the fire, took Isaac with him. And they traveled a three-day journey. And then they looked ahead and Abraham looked and he saw ahead the mountain and he said to his two servants, you stay here. Because God had already said to him, you take your son and you offer him. You take the son that I have promised you and I'm going to make nations out of him. You take the son And you offer him and you sacrifice him before me on the altar. That's huge. This was the son of promise, the son he'd been waiting 25 years for. He had to trust that God was going to fulfill his word of promise. So as I said, he took the son, told the servants, stay here. And it's interesting because he said to the servants, he says, you stay here a while. We're going to go up the mountain and my son and I... Will return. My son and I will return. And the scriptures have said in several places that Abraham believed that even if he was going to sacrifice his son, that God had the strength and the ability and the power to raise him from the dead. So powerful. And so let's just read some of this because I'm speaking it. But it's absolutely powerful. And so as they were journeying, in fact, I'll share it with you. As they were journeying, and it was just now Isaac and, and, and his dad, and they had, the, they had the fire, and they had the stick, and, and, and they had the, the sticks. And uh, Isaac says to his dad, "Father, father," he says, "We have the wood and we have the fire." He says, "But where's the sacrifice?" And uh, Abraham turned around and said, "My son," he says, "God will provide the sacrifice." Let's read it here. And so verse seven, so, so verse six, so Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it, uh, laid it on Isaac, his son. He's 13 years old, so he knows what's going on. And he took the fire. He's, they've, done, they've done sacrifices before. Uh, and in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father, he said, and he said, here I am. And he said there, look, he said, here's the fire, here's the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for the offering. So the two of them went together. Now, that's got layers of it. God will provide himself. God will provide himself. I'm the sacrifice. He was prophetically speaking into the earth right now. He was, this was prophetic speaking into the earth that was happening. A man was speaking into the youth that God himself was going to come and he was going to be the sacrifice. He was going to be the lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. Abraham believed that according to covenant. And because Abraham believed that, God could then turn around and do in like manner. It's the most amazing. And so here we are. Genesis 9. And then they, it says here, look, look at this. this is the, and Isaac was totally in agreement with us because here we go. Then they came to the place where God had told him. And Abraham built the altar uh, uh, there and placed the wood on the altar. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So these two people on the earth were in agreement to do what God had asked them to do. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, this is Jesus Christ, is known as the angel of the Lord, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, yes, here I am. And he says, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son for me. That's powerful. There's a human being prepared to lay his son on the altar for God, which meant because of the the engagements of 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 the covenant that God could now not withhold his son, his only son, on behalf of humanity. If God could not find a man that would do that, his son, his only son, his heritage, then God did not have permission to give himself and his son. And so then Abraham lifted up his eyes, and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And then they and they and they and they offered that ram um, before the Lord. And God visited him at that time and said, "In the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen, or in the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided." Jehovah Jireh, the Lord has provided an offering. So right back there in Genesis 22, God had sealed the salvation of the earth. On that day. It's just absolutely the most amazing story to be able to pick that up and just read that over. And I encourage you just read that story. Read from Genesis 12 all the way through to Genesis 22, and have a look at the language and have a look at this relationship that God was building with a human being. All covenant. And so look what God says here in Genesis 15 to 18. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time in heaven and said, he says, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, and God's speaking it through the heavenlies. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply. Your descendants will be as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed Shall possess the gate of the enemies. Satan was in the gates of the earth. And so, your seed, speaking of Christ, not as of seeds as of many, Paul tells us in the letters, it's seeds as of Jesus Christ. Your seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. Jesus says, I'm building my church, and the gates of the enemy cannot prevail against you. So your seed, so God says, and blessing I will be your descendants shall be the stars. What's that? That's the spiritual seed. That's the church. You see, we are the seeds of Abraham by promise. And then the sands of the seashore, that is the natural nation of Israel. So when, when, uh, when um, Abraham looked down, he saw his seed, his natural nation. And when he looked up at the stars, he saw the church and he saw the saints of God that would come in the future. It's the most amazing, amazing, amazing story. And so your seed shall possess the gates of his enemy. Wonderful. So just imagine then what would have happened if Abraham had not been prepared to do that. God could not have have brought forth. He would have had to have waited to find somebody that would trust him enough. That Abraham believed God that even if he did sacrifice Isaac on the altar, that God was going to raise him from the dead. You can find that several places in the New Testament. In fact, here's one here. Hebrews, I've put it in. Hebrews 11, how are we going for time? Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 to 19, it says here, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him to off- offer his son as a sacrifice, or offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring shall be reckoned but Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead and so in like manner and so in a manner of speaking he received Isaac back from the dead that's all covenant it's all covenant talk that God had established. And so we find out, just we we find through the whole of um, the uh, rest of the Old Testament that God now had a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob became Israel. And God set about to have this holy nation in the earth. And God spoke his word into that nation. And God said to them, I will bless you. I will make your name great. You have a look at Deuteronomy 28 where God says, he said, I'm going to bless you. Your, your name's going to be great. You're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be above and not beneath. And, and as long as Israel kept within the words of this covenant, nothing could touch her. The Satan would come in one way or the enemy one way. They'd flee before him seven ways. There was no curse. It was possible for human beings to live on the earth at that time uh, uh, Protected from the curse of sin and death And and, and the demonic spirits If they kept within the word of God And it was only when Israel dissipated God And went into idolatry That the the the, the hedge of protection was broken And Satan was able to come And God said to to people like uh, Joshua That was going into the promised land And when they went to take the promised land And they lost a battle And Joshua was angry with God and said, God, how can we go in and, 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 and take the promised land if you're not going to go with us as Jehovah Nissi? And God said to Joshua, Josh, you clean up the nation. He says, because there's sin in your camp. And because there's sin in your camp, you can't stand before your enemies. And so they cleaned up the nation of Israel. A few people dropped dead. And then they went in, and they took the promised land. <laughs> Interesting Old Testament. Uh, praise God. <laughs> so let's go into... Uh, Oh, well, that's right. Look at, look, at, look at what happened in the church rage. You know, when the, when the first ch- church started, Ananias and Sapphira lied against the Holy Spirit and they dropped dead in the, in the church. And, I mean, gosh, talk about the fear of God coming. On. Was that God killing them? No, it was their own son. Couldn't stand in the presence of God. And so let's have a look at point two. In the fullness of time, so God spoke about the seed coming, the seed of the woman. And uh, it said, in the fullness of time, the seed entered the sheepfold by the door. Now, we talked about this door. Um, we talked about authority last week and talked about your body giving you authority in the earth. Your birth certificate gives you authority here. And I said, to, I said last week that when you die, you have to leave. You have to leave the planet uh, because your physical body gives you authority on the earth. Now, look, Jesus talks about this in John chapter 10. Uh, um, verse 1 and 2, and some of our favorite scriptures are in John 10 uh, about the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy and I've come that you may have life. But this is the beginning of that chapter and Jesus talking and he says, most assuredly he said, I say to you, now, now look at this wording, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep? Now Jesus is talking about himself. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now in this chapter, there's two doors that are mentioned, and they're two different doors. There's a door. It says here the door. I'm sorry again. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So the sheepfold. What is that, Vanessa? Well, that represents the earth. He who does not enter. The earth by the door. Well, what are you talking about, Jesus? The door is the legal entry into the earth. The legal entry is through human birth. I said last week that spirits do not have authority in the earth. They were not born here. They are not made of flesh and blood. They are not made of the dust of the ground. Remember I said in Genesis that God created and made Adam. He made his body from the dust, and then he created him by breathing into them the spirit. And so we're three-part beings. We're spirit, we have a mind, we have a body. This physical body gives us authority on this planet. We're made from dust. From dust you, you, you were made, and from dust you shall return. That is the legal entry into the earth. Now Jesus is talking about Satan And he is saying, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door of human birth, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. In John 10.10 of the same chapter, Jesus says, Satan has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I have come through the door of the birth, virgin birth, to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. If you read the whole chapter, I don't have time to break down every verse. So the door is the legal entry into the planet is through natural birth. Jesus said, I'm coming through the door, and whoever comes through the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And the shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. And so he's trying to explain to them, I have come the right way. It's taken a while, I know, (laughs) But I've come now, and the Bible says, in the volume of the book it is written of me, the volume of the Old Testament scrolls, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I have come to do your will, O God. In the fullness of time, Christ could come. There are 350, a minimum of 350 scriptures that refer to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, in the Old Testament. Everything that he would do and achieve was written in the Old Testament. And is now being revealed to us in this New Testament. And so in the fullness of time when everything was written and spoken into the earth, and man took that word and it was written, and the fullness this picture was, was created, then Jesus Christ could come. And so here, Jesus said, He who does not enter the door, the same as the thief. And so Satan is a thief. He's right now in the earth illegally. But who's arresting him? And who's putting a stop on what he's doing? That is the role of the church. And so Satan is, is illegal. He climbed another way. And once we understand and know this, we can then stand on the authority of God's word and start to evict him with the high praises of God in mouth, a two-edged sword in my hand. The word is a two-edged sword. We will execute on him the judgments that are written. There's judgments that are already written. He's already been cast out. In fact, John 12, and we don't have time to get into it, and I was going to put it in this morning, but I'll maybe do it next week now is the, is the God of this world judge. Now he is cast out. Jesus, before he went to the cross, he was letting them know, this prince, this thief, this robber is now going to be judged. All judgment's going to be placed on me. I'm going to go into hell. I'm going to take the keys of death, hell and the grave. I'm going to raise out of there and say, now all authority's been given to me. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you stop is going to be stopped. And so Satan does not want this mystery out in the church world because he does not want the spiritual police force stopping him. He wants to continue to destroy and to kill. To steal and to, 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 to steal, kill and destroy. And so Satan, we need to know, has entered the earth illegally. He's a spirit being. He can't just operate, and there's restraints on what demon spirits can do in the earth. And that's why there was a judgment in the days of Noah because God has restraints on angels. They cannot operate and do certain things, and if they do, they're actually locked in chains until the final judgment. It's spoken of, and I've actually got some references there that I've given to some of you um, to to understand this. And so they've got to be careful how they operate. They can't just come and, and operate in this earth with supernatural powers without using a human body. They can't do that, even though they are. They're, they're powerful beings, but they're restrained. And that's when God has put parameters on them that he will take them and lock them and change. You've actually gone out from within the restrictions that I have, I've placed on you. And so Jesus entered the door of natural human birth. He is the seed of the woman. He's the seed of the woman, not the seed of natural man because natural man had sin in him. He was the seed of God. That the Holy Spirit said, you are blessed of all women, for you're going to bring forth a Savior. And she said, be it unto me according to your will. When she received that word, be it unto me according to your will, um, Mary became pregnant with God. (laughs) He's 100% God and he's 100% man. He's not half God, half man. He's 100% God and 100% man. And so the seed of the woman gave God legal authority in there. And so Jesus said that the thief came to kill and steal and destroy, but I am the shepherd. I'm coming through this door, and I'm going to lay down my life. So let's just finish with a couple more thoughts here. So there's two doors that are mentioned there in, 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 um, in uh, John. One door, is this, Jesus says, he that enters the door is the birth, the natural birth, and he said, I am the door. Well, what does that mean, Jesus? Well, there's a natural birth, Into the planet is one door. And then Jesus says, I am the door into eternal life. He is the only way we're going to get into eternal life. We need to go through Jesus. He is the door to everlasting life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So when you see those two doors in in John 2, you'll see one's natural birth and then one is a supernatural birth. Praise the Lord. So point number 13, that the Father gave Jesus Christ authority to execute judgment because he is the son of God, son of man, I should say, not the son of God. So let's have a look at this. Remember, I covered that last week, talking about son of God, son of man, and um, praise the Lord. We may get into use, look at some of those scriptures next week. So let's have a look. John five twenty five to twenty seven. It says here, for the son of he said, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment. Also, why? Because he is the Son of Man. Because he has authority here. And then it goes on to say in John 15, as it is written that the first Adam became a living, a life-giving spirit, that the last Adam became a life-giving, a life-giving spirit. Sorry, I've read that wrong. That the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And so when Jesus Christ went to the cross as the Lamb of God, because Abraham had come into covenant with God, he went into hell, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave off of Satan. He went down there for three days and three nights, And then he rose from the dead. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came into them, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He now dwells inside us. And Jesus rose out of there and he said, now all authority belongs to me in heaven and on earth. Now you go with that authority. And so right now, church, we are the ones, if the worship team come on up now, we are the ones with that authority. We have that authority that God has given Jesus Christ the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee must bow things in heaven, things on earth, things under there. We have authority in three worlds. We have authority in three worlds. And God wants us to take that and He wants us to start using that authority. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.